0: This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week Podcast. We're going to be talking Stan today. Joining me on the podcast, Andrew Mercado, Media Week contributor. Welcome back, Andrew. Hi, James. And we're joined by Stan CEO, Mike Sneesby. Hello, Mike.
1: Hi, James. Hi, Andrew.
0: Hey. Now, you're the um, sort of founding CEO. You've been there all, all along the journey,
1: haven't you? That's right. Is it
0: five years now? Is it four? I get
1: four years. Four years. years. You've just celebrated the fourth anniversary. Just past four years since we launched the service. Obviously, uh, there was quite a big team of Stan uh, team members working on this thing from well before launch. So there are quite a few people, myself included, who've been more than five years on the journey. So
0: you've retained a lot of um, top talent, haven't you?
1: Yeah. Well, I think uh, we're an exciting category, and you know, as the company's grown, I think it's given people an opportunity to broaden out what they're doing and. You know, certainly when you're in a growth phase, it's always uh, a very engaging and exciting time. So I think that's been great for the team, myself overall.
0: Yeah. Look, there's a lot
1: Andrew and I want to get stuck in
0: about, mate. uh, Some of the content and and some of the uh, the platform itself, get some tips from you, maybe, how, (laughs) how best to use it. But I mean, let's let you blow your own trumpet for a start. Now, it's a pretty big deal globally, isn't it? What you've been able to achieve. And just explain to us why.
1: Yeah, well, look. Uh, obviously, we're in that streaming category, uh, SVOD, subscription video on demand, the same category that Netflix is well known for, and you know, we jumped in early when we launched. Uh, you know, back in 2015, Netflix hadn't launched in this market yet, so we're into that space, and we've managed to build a a great business. You know, in our recent results, we announced as part of uh, Nine Entertainment's uh, uh, results announcement for the for the half year that we're now around 1.5 million active subscribers, and um, on a clear track to EBITDA positive for the fourth quarter of this year. And if you look around the world, obviously Netflix is a, a global trailblazer and I think uh, has a certain set of expectations and a, and a bar that they set for the category. But there are very few independent streaming companies like Stan who've managed to get into a market, penetrate quickly, build scale and, you know, be an important player in that space. And so, and make very, a profit. Yeah, and certainly, as I say, the very important benchmark that we're now on a clear path to to uh, EBITDA positive result for the for the final quarter, uh, and also run rate right into um, financial year twenty. So uh, the business is in is in great shape, and, and as I said, you know we've been able to get in there early, uh, carve out a space. And Australia has typically been in media a a unique market. So there are certain dynamics in that market that have enabled us to be successful. Um, but of course. You know, you've got to put things down to, uh, you know, to, to every little factor that adds up to the success we've had today.
0: Mm. And just quickly on that, you be pretty much the only one when you're in a single market successful. I mean, I think of iFlix, but they work across a, a broad range of countries.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, it depends on what you say is your measure of success, of course, from, mm. a, from a financial point of view, getting a start-up company to um, become EBITDA positive is one of those important milestones on the road to success, and I'd certainly say we're not resting on our laurels here. This is an important milestone. It demonstrates the business model, it demonstrates the category, uh, but there's still you know a lot for us to do in the future and a lot of successes to come. Uh, other players in other markets, um, be it Iflix or or Hook in in Asia, uh, if you look at the um, the guys at MTG uh, up in the Nordics, uh, who have a slightly different business model, live streaming combined with uh, on demand. There are a number of players who are having their own successes uh, in different forms. Uh, for us, getting to that demonstration of um, being able to create a sustainable, viable business model, that's what EBITDA positive really means as a milestone. It means that we're obviously paying our own way. When we celebrated our fourth birthday just recently, I reminded the team that uh, as they had a, a quiet celebratory drink, that this is probably the first, well, this is the first time that we're paying for our own drinks. Uh, and <laughs> it's, a, it's a nice feeling when you get to that point where you're, uh, you're out of that investment mode um, and uh, you're up and away.
2: You would have to be happy with your brand recognition because just last week I was talking on ABC Radio and talking about the Foxtel streaming service mm. and I said, it's a streaming service like Netflix and the ABC presenter said, and Stan,
1: and I was <laughs> like, wow, thank you for that. Like- right, well, who, and who was that? i just grabbed their <laughs> there, might, there might be a, uh, a bit of Stan merchandise coming their way. No, it's the ABC. You can't accept merchandise. <laughs> oh, that's right. Uh, but look, no, you're right. The the awareness for Stan uh, in that SVD considerer category uh, is almost a hundred percent awareness, and it really it really has been a journey of of building our brand. And I and I always reiterate that you know a brand is not a brand name. Our 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 name is Stan, but our brand is everything that we take to the consumer by. By that, I mean the content, most importantly, and how um, people engage with our content, uh, our platforms and our applications and the places where people can reach us, um, and very importantly to that, our original productions and that original production slate and what we do here uh, as a true Aussie um, built and, and grown streaming service. So um, we are very proud of that that brand recognition. It has been a, a long journey, and there was almost a tipping point um uh, we passed the one million active sub mark um, around the end of the last financial year, and you really felt this—you um, know—this momentum in network effect where our audience had reached a, a point where people were talking about us in day-to-day conversation. Of course, plenty of people had signed up and used the service prior to that, but you get to a point where you know it becomes that our shows become a talking point. People go to work and they talk about billions or this week's premiere of RuPaul's Drag Race, the brand new season. They're talking about that. They were talking about Bloom over the summertime. They were talking about our deal with Disney. And so all those things, you mm. know, that, that talkability, it is amazing how impactful that is in, A, people recognising your brand, but ultimately signing up to your service as well.
0: You mentioned the um, the 1 million. You're up to one, close to 1.5 now in actives. Do, what's the sort of um, active subscribers? What's the sort of um, run rate for those people who become a subscriber? I
1: mean... Uh, In terms of conversion, you mean you talk about, yeah. yeah. So the the model that uh, Stan has is very similar to the Netflix model in that we have a 30-day free trial. Uh, Our conversion rate has been quite um, consistent over the journey in our business where we're converting around 75% of people. So around three-quarters of every uh, subscriber who takes up a free trial becomes a paying subscriber. And that metric for us, you know, based on international um, benchmarks that we've seen is a very strong metric. I, I think a lot of it has got to do with the fact that as a, um, let, let's call us a, a local trailblazer, we, did, we, we didn't have the brand awareness that Netflix had back in 2015. And so I think the, the consumer expectations of us were a little bit lower. And so what you find is people, ever since we launched the service, have signed up and gone, wow, I'm really surprised. I didn't think it was going to be that good. And so we have, I think, pro- probably even compared to some of the internationals, a better conversion to paid because we tend to beat the expectation of what consumers have in their head for a you know a local player like ourselves.
0: And the um, the potential audience, I think Hugh Marks spoke to us just a week ago, and he said, they think maybe around about um, what do you say ten million as a potential as market size." S- yeah, yeah. And he'd like to get three million of them.
1: Yeah, I think that's I think that's right, and I, I also think it's conservative. Hugh probably would have said the same thing if you look at the household population in Australia, you know, the household population's up around nine plus million, getting to a 60% plus penetration of that in terms of households, extremely realistic. If you have a look at where the U.S. is already, um, some of the numbers in the U.S. are pointing more towards 80% penetration today. Um, and, And then, of course, the propensity for households to have multiple subscriptions and the average number of subscriptions is likely to be two plus. So, Pretty basic math. If you take your, let's say, round it off to ten million households at sixty percent, you're talking six million households at a times two um, subscriptions. You're at twelve million subscription market, and so I think that 10 million is pretty conservative, and you know we we feel pretty comfortable about about our position holding around thirty percent of that. So I think I think that's right. I think we're it's a it's a pretty safe road to a you know three million subscriber opportunity for us over the longer term. And, you know, on those numbers, we're we're halfway there today. Congratulations on the stuff you've done with Australian drama
2: and local productions. You're the first streaming service to move in there. You went in hard from the very beginning and, you know, incredibly impressive. And you know, I sat there and watched Bloom from Way to Go and I'm waiting for the better Australian drama all year. I absolutely loved it. I thought it was so great that it came to an end after six episodes. It wasn't one of these, you know, we want you, we want to make another series so we're going to tease it out. You left it open, mm. but it's a self-contained story and you know, the cast, the young cast and some of those older actors, congratulations.
1: I thought it was sensational. Yeah, thanks, Andrew. Look, we are, we're really proud of, of Bloom. We're pr- proud of all of our originals. I'll, I'll come back and talk about the, the journey in a moment. But Bloom specifically, it has been a huge success for us in terms of its premiere, viewing on premiere. Uh, we've also, we said publicly that the one January premiere date for Bloom uh, has become our biggest ever day for sign-ups of subscribers. So, you know, the the audience and the consumers out there love the idea of it. They've signed up for it and they've watched it in their drive. So it has been extremely successful for us. Um, you know, to be able to land legends like Jackie Weaver and Brian Brown, you know, in a, in a it is honestly a dream come true. You think about what we were doing four years ago when we started this service and if somebody said that Brian Brown and Jackie Weaver would be starring in an original within four years, I wouldn't have believed them myself. It's, so it, that is that is phenomenal. Phoebe Tonkin, Ryan Kaur, um, oh, both absolutely amazing. incredible. Yeah. You know, the talk about Ryan Kaur's performance. And, you know, if you think about his character in the show and and you see that first episode, um, having read the scripts before I saw, obviously, the first episode finished, um, he just brought something completely different out of the page than, than what you read on the page in a great way. So... Um, yeah, really excited about what uh, what Bloom has done. But as I say, that's been part of our originals journey. We're very proud of our, our um, risk taking that we that we did back in you know our first year when we barely had a subscriber to pay for an original show. Uh, we went out there boldly with the confidence of our investors back then, as Nine and Fairfax and um, David Gingell, who was um, chair and still at Nine back in the early days. And uh, you know, taking taking those risks and taking those those bets um, on the basis that we knew we could be you know a big deal here in Australia. And uh, you no know, activity was our was our first. Uh, it's been picked up format wise by CBS in the US. It's just been renewed uh, by CBS for a third season. Has it, so, wow! Yeah. Congratulations! So, some of the the amazing talent there from Jungle, the local production company. Um, Paddy Brammel who's the the co creator. Um, And all of the people who have starred in that um, and worked on that show, um, many of whom are working now with Will Ferrell and Funny or Die in the US. Again, um, it's something where we're so proud to see people like Judd Overton, who's the um, DOP for the Australian version, is now DOP over there in the US. And I see guys like that who are obviously living out there, their own, um, you know, career dreams and career paths through something that we worked on and created with them back here in Australia as our first production. So there's a story behind, I could I could talk all day, there's a story <laughs> behind every show and where it's ended up and all of our shows have been picked up in that case as a format um, or as a, um, a licence sale into international players. Uh, Hulu's got the other guy and our Aussie version of No Activity on that platform. So we're seeing Stan Originals now around the world and obviously those commercial relationships uh, with international players uh, are bringing really important dollars back into our budgets to be able to make the shows, um, but equally importantly, back into the Australian production industry. We are a genuine exporter now of Aussie talent, Aussie productions. Uh, it gets our numbers to where they need to be, but it's also creating you know, international wings for, uh, for, for both um, on-screen and off-screen talent.
0: Do you think that um, when you commission a show, you don't need it to appeal to everybody, do you? And do you think and Andrew, you might have a thought on this, that because you don't have the pressure of ratings and, and people looking at your numbers forensically, there's a the show was almost allowed to breathe and and maybe has got a better chance of being a success, if you know what I'm getting at?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean look, there is a there is a different there's a very different dynamic between uh, traditional broadcast television and subscription television in general, streaming in particular. Um, part of that is, you know, when you when you're building a a production for free to air, you do have to appeal to a, a big audience. You know, it's all about pulling a a big rating. Obviously, even uh, broadcast television is evolving. So you see, with shows like Married at First Sight on the Nine Network, pulling great audiences on the Nine Network, but also um, pulling big audiences on their their um, streaming platform Nine now as well. So that That sort of dynamic, if you like, will also mean that I'm sure broadcast productions will evolve you know according to how the audience uh, views and consumes that content. but certainly for us, there is um, a, a big driver in our productions to be able to um to be as as deep, if you like, in terms of audience as as wide. and as I referred to before, one of the important metrics quite clearly in making a production is that people are going to sign up to watch it. Obviously our revenue model, no hiding that is we want people to be subscribed to our service and we want people to watch as much content as they possibly can. So getting a a show that appeals very strongly to a narrow audience in some ways is more important than a show that appeals to a broad audience because we don't we don't have advertising on stand. So the the, the size of the audience doesn't matter. What matters is that we get a really strong following of people who will be prepared to sign up to our service uh, for a particular show. And what we inevitably see in that number that I mentioned before about 75% of people choosing to continue on as a paying subscriber is once they come on and see a show that they've really wanted to sign up for, they'll also get immersed in the breadth of content that we have um, and continue to enjoy that, that content on platform for a longer period of time. And that's why your
2: Australian dramas are working so well because you're allowed to be risky and I feel that a lot of network dramas now in going for that broad audience are playing things safe. They're, they're saying we're trying to be naughty and trying to be edgy but they're mm. not really. They're, it, it's a cop-out at the last minute because they want that broad audience whereas you guys seem to have permission to go in hard, be a little bit edgier and it's paying off in the storytelling and the
1: shows that you're making. Yeah, that's that's definitely the case. And one thing I hope you know we can retain as we become bigger and bigger is that is that edginess and that that risk taking. The smaller you are, as much as you're small, you're not driving a lot of revenue in those early days of the business. But on a creative side, you can also you know be fair. You can you can take creative risks. Um, you're probably more risk adverse on the commercial side, but creatively, you can take big risks. As the business grows, um, as I say, I hope we can continue to take the creative risks that we've taken. Um, go out and make bold things. I'm confident we can. If I look at the the pipeline that we've got in development at the moment and um, over the last 12 months or so, we've announced two important development partnerships, one with Screen Queensland um, for the development of scripted drama up there in Queensland and one with uh, Film Victoria um, for uh, scripted drama down in, in Victoria working with them in co-development. So we're building a pipeline of creative opportunities um, for potential, mostly television series, and I say most, mostly drama, but not certainly not excluding comedy from from any of that. And I think um, those development partnerships will be very important in terms of building a pipeline of opportunities, taking in particular with the, the Screen Queensland initiative that we have in place, there is a part of that um, development fund that is dedicated to... Um, grassroots up and coming creatives who have great ideas maybe don't have the the infrastructure around them to be able to get something to a point where it's packaged up and either stand or a network could consider their creative ideas so working with the screen organizations I think we've we've put in place some really great initiatives that is going to help to continue to have a great pipeline of you know creative opportunities for us continue to mean that we can take the right risks on the right on the right uh, creative opportunities and ultimately get great programming on the screen for Aussies.
2: Yeah. You've talked about Married at First Sight just there, and I just wonder, uh, I notice now that Netflix are doing a lot of reality series and they're really, really working for them. And I get very annoyed when people say, I don't watch TV, I just watch Netflix, and I think there's a much bigger world than just putting all your choices into one box. But there's no doubt that Netflix are having success with reality. Is it something you're looking at? Because obviously reality is still very important for Nine and their catch-up service. So does that preclude you from going into your own version on Stan and, and, and maybe entering that genre as
1: well? Uh, no, I don't think so. I certainly the, the driver, again, as your audience becomes broader, you do have an opportunity to... Um, if you if you think and it, and it isn't completely binary, I'm sort of talking in black and white, but there's all shades of grey in between. You know, a television program that we put on platform can address more from an acquisition side of things, so it might be noisier and narrower and deeper, but it really has a, a great um, impact in, term of, in terms of um, making subscribers interested and getting them to sign up to a service. And you may have a different program that may not be so impactful in that regard, but is watched by a lot of people, and so. You've kind of got the two ends of the spectrum and everything in between I think as our audience gets bigger just like Netflix we will have more opportunity to make shows that are a bit more broad and a bit more of what people would today say is you know traditional broadcast or free-to-air television programming I think for us right now um, the focus remains on you know premium scripted drama is the thing that really um, drives our business along and that the consumers are, uh, are chasing but I certainly wouldn't rule out um, doing some form of reality format over time, or moving into um, other genres, whether that be you know documentary or um, things that are outside the norm for an SVOD service. So um, watch this space in that regard.
0: I'd like to dive in and get some facts and figures and some some insights from you. You know, um, tell us about. And And I know you can't share a lot of stuff, so so we'll push as far as you're comfortable with telling us but <laughs> But what are some of the big hits i mean and, and what were some of the initial learnings for, for regarding all the different content you put up?
1: Yeah, look, um I'm happy to talk to, you know, a few a few numbers obviously. Okay. The uh I can't give away all the secret sauce, otherwise we wouldn't <laughs> we wouldn't be such an international trailblazer sure. if we put the blueprint out on the table, but <laughs> look, as as I said to you um Bloom, I won't uh, go through what I mentioned before, but it has obviously been a huge success in terms of uh driving, you know, both uh viewing and and sign-ups on platform. Um over the years we've had a, you know, a range of different successes. This year Um, kicking into the start of the year. Probably two two shows that have been strong performers for us um, and were breaking records in their own right, um, but are two very different shows. Uh, Power from Stars, which uh, returned after, you know, returned I think season five uh, we premiered earlier this year. And it is a show that um, we've had on the platform almost since day one, season after season. And it's really built a local following um, over here in Australia. So people are surprised to hear that that is such a, a big hit on Stan um, as a show. Uh, and then probably one that won't surprise you so much, but is very, very different. Uh, Who is America? Sasha Baron Cohen's, um, uh, let's call it uh, comedy. Mm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> satire. Comedy, yeah, comedy satire. Uh, again, you know, so much noise about that show mm. globally. And, and both have had huge success in terms of sign-ups and viewing. Both two very different shows in their own right this year. And, um, you know, building on that discussion around Bloom, every one of our um, original productions has performed ahead of our expectation. And we set some pretty high bars for originals because of the the investment size and investment that we make. Um, but they have continued in, in every case to be um, shows that have performed well and, and really indicate, um, you know, the, the affinity that Aussies have for Australian-made programming and in particular... Quality Australian-made programming. I think if you line up our original slate compared to what has typically been made in Australia across you know networks and pay TV, I think you would I think you'd agree that what we've created in Australia is something that's quite different, um, quite unique, and I think it's resonating really well with uh, with Australians.
0: Um, movies. I mean, Netflix is going to release something like ninety movies this year. I mean majority of them their own productions, but then there's a few others that come in through different um, deals they have. Um, what what ha, How important are movies to, to you guys? And I guess the Disney deals changed that a bit, hasn't
1: it? Yeah, well, look, the majority of viewing on platform for Stan uh, is still in television and primarily um, scripted television. That's where the the bulk of what um, consumers are watching, um, That's that's where it all sort of lands, if you like. But Features are an important part of that mix. They serve a different purpose in the, you know, in the in the viewing habits of of Australians. For example, you'll see typically over the weekends that um, some of our premium um, pay one movies will tend to tick up into the top watched spots across the platform. So what's premium pay
0: one? What do you uh,
1: so we about? have an output deal with Roadshow. So we're seeing titles come through that. We obviously have a deal with Disney um, where we've got what we call pay one window titles coming through that that Disney. Deal as well, um, you know more recently movies like Black Panther through that yeah. that disney deal and and you'll see that you know the the consumer viewing particularly over weekends, um, when people have time to sit down you know for a full hour and a half to two hours, either on their own, you know with their loved ones or family and and actually consume something. Um, with television series, the great thing about it is you know on demand is you can you know jump into a half hour, which might be a twenty five minute commitment. And you might end up watching two hours, but you only committed twenty-five minutes to begin with. And that's that's very typical, I think, of uh, you know, weekday viewing. Whereas on weekends people tend to go, no, I'm prepared to commit two hours to this and let's let's go and watch a movie. So features features do play an important role in our lineup. Um those premium movie deals with with Village Roadshow. We also have pay one movies through MGM uh, and the Disney deal are important. Um, in the last 12 months, we also uh, premiered the second, which was our first Stan original feature film, which we um, did in conjunction with Screen Queensland, which performed very well on on platform, um, had a two-week window in theatres, and then um, on to Stan as a TV screen uh, premiere for Australia. So experimenting with those different models for us, I think uh, one of the challenges with uh, with features is that the the first window that's typically available for us to buy from the from the Hollywood studios for that major um, feature production is what we call that pay one window, and so it's the movie's been through a theatrical window. Um, typically, it's been into a um, transactional video on demand window for a short period, and then it becomes available to um, pay television, including and would um, that stamp. be a uh,
2: 12 months or nine months, somewhere around that yeah, amount of time? Look,
1: it, it varies across the board. Um, but, yeah, it's typically been in that kind of time timeframe. Um, and I think that is one of the challenges when you compare ultimately the product that you see. When you're looking at, you know, Stan's lineup of first-run exclusive program, including our own originals, um, we're running at about 50, around 50 first-run exclusives. So on average on Stan we are dropping a brand new series or a returning season of a brand, of an existing series, like a returning season of Billions, on average almost every week. Yeah. Um, and those those brand new seasons or originals are a first in the world. We're, we're day and date um, with the US um, and international markets. So you're bringing product to your audience as a first in the world, whereas the reality for the window of um, movie production is you, you, the closest you can get to first in the world is, as you say, um, six, nine, or, or twelve months. So it does pose a a challenge, um, and that's you know part of our reason for um, working with Screen Queensland on the second was to explore what that would look like from an original production point of view. Um, we're also exploring other models um, with local and international producers to bring um, you know feature films to the screen earlier. And look, my view, my view. Um, and I know there is some you know concern within the industry that streaming an sfod um, could be cannibalizing to um, that theatrical window for our our theaters my view broadly is that the experience of consuming movies in the you know in the theater is is exactly that is it's an experience it's a it's a, a night or a day out um, it really is an event and um, you know, that you can really have a complementary opportunity to have your know, features that are available on, on a streaming platform as well as in theatre and think about how we, you know, co-market those things and, and drive value. So over time, I'm sure, um, you know, we'll continue to work on what those opportunities are and I'm sure the models and the windows will evolve over time as streaming continues to grow. Um, but ultimately it's going to be a win for the consumer.
0: What do audiences prefer, do you think, to have all the episodes drop at once or to drip feed one a week and I guess you only do that when you can't get it. And this
2: that feeds into the fact that a lot of your stuff is day and date and so you are screening those shows week by week. Mm, and I know no. for me that most of the stuff I watch on Stan, I'm watching it the day it comes out. Like it's in my head. Yep. Tonight I'm watching RuPaul's Drag Race. It's Saturday. It's yep. there. How much of your audience is watching that stuff as
1: soon as they can, yeah. and it's appointment viewing for them. Yeah, well, of course, audience love to be drip-fed, don't <laughs> they, James? <laughs> love love to have it dragged out for as long as possible. No, look, what you'll see in our original productions where we have complete control, we're producing the content um, and we control the release schedule uh, in its entirety is we always drop that programming um, in one go. Mm. And our, our view and principle, it comes back to what I, what I said about the brand, you know, one of our key brand principles is simplicity and, and ultimately giving the consumer what the consumer wants. My view overall, if I just look at the comparison of, you know, dropping all episodes at once versus um, dropping week to week, you might sit there and go, well, if you're a, um, a, a cunning business person, um, dragging an audience out over a longer, longer period of time is going to be better for the business because mm. you get people to stick around. <laughs> My counter argument to that is, um, you know the the downside in 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 brand love and consumer love that you get by dragging them out um, is you know it's it's is a greater you know hit to you than um, the benefit of of dragging it out. So my view has always been, give the consumer what they want. In our license programming that comes through our international licensing agreements and and output deals with the major studios, um, we spend and and the um, commercial content team at Stan spends a lot of time and effort to ensure that we bring those shows at the second that we can bring them. So what you'll see with Stan is sometimes shows premiere at weird times of the day and, you know, you might go, well, why didn't you just wait till, you know, midday or 12 o'clock? Um, even those small windows of waiting for hours in a world where social media is bringing the the, the whole world together um, is is something the audience is not, you know, happy to wait for. So our view is, We'll have it up the second that our agreements allow them um, to be up, and we'll continually work uh, with our licensed distribution partners to ensure that we can get get content up on uh, on platform the very second that it's available to the rest of the world. Do
0: you think there'll be impacts on your future growth from the way the the sector seems to be developing? We've got um, ten all access you know, want to try and wind up to have a, a reasonable offer in a few years. We're going to see some major announcements in the next few weeks, months from from some of the big studios and networks in the US, some of them with global ambitions. Um, what, what do you think is going to happen there?
1: Oh, look, we're, um, you know, we, we spend a lot of time thinking about the, the long-term development in the market. So we don't sort of sit back and wonder what's going to happen, you know, next month or, or next year. Um, I'm glad to be able to say that if, if you if you go back to some of our earliest business plans and um, strategy presentations on how we felt the market would evolve, it's it's broadly evolved in in the way that we expected it to to play out. Um, we obviously have a view on how we think that will play out over the next couple of years as so some of those, um uh, changes and and um, evolution in how you know major content producers are thinking about going to market. Um, but what you've got to remember is Stan is now a big a big business. We're um in that fourth quarter that we've spoken about in our financial results for nine, um we also said that we'd be exiting this year's um financial year at a revenue run rate of around $185 million. Um, If you look at full collections, including GST that you collect as the consumer, it's over $200 million coming in the front door. Um, That is a substantial business by any terms. And um, what it means that that we've done here is we've created not just a sustainable channel to market in terms of our ability to be EBITDA positive, but also a very meaningful channel to market. So, you know, I don't have to, (laughs) you don't have to be a rocket scientist to work out that if we're, you know, roughly at EBITDA positive at the back end of the year and we're exiting at 185 million, um, you can work out broadly what our cost base looks like. And the vast majority of our cost base goes into um, the creation, production and um, licensing of of content. So the number that Stan is, um, the the dollars that Stan is spending um, and the level that we're spending at is... Um, It's a a big number that is important to uh, our key content partners. And it is a number that as, you know, as internationals consider whether they enter the market, if if you're, whether you're, um, well, name any Hollywood studio, but any Hollywood studio who um, decides to set up a direct-to-consumer service obviously has to forego their licensing revenues in the market to be able to take their their content. I think there's a, a simplistic perception that, international players will just have their content, they don't have to pay for it, and they'll just pop it on a service and all of a sudden make money. You've got to remember there's a big opportunity cost to that. And, you know, what what we've done in partnering with all of the major Hollywood studios over the years, as I've, you know, continually presented to them is we've we've literally created them a home in Australia. Our positioning as a platform is Stan is the home of Hollywood in Australia with great Aussie original productions that differentiate us. Um, and we'll continue to say that to the major studios is we've created a great, uh, sustainable and growing channel. Um, And in just about every case, we want to continue to have important and meaningful partnerships with our our big Hollywood friends.
2: Do you have any intel on how much of an uptake older people are in streaming now? Because I think back to the ABC being so shocked years ago that when they started podcasts, there was an expectation that they're you know, their older, aging audience would f- have trouble with that new technology. But in fact, the exact opposite happened; they adopted it. Are older viewers adopting streaming that you're aware of, and adopting it faster than you would have expected?
1: Yeah. Look, without um, giving away, you know, important um, confidential information across mm-hmm. our subscriber base, what I will tell you is that in the in that um, let's say fifty plus um, you know group. The percentage of our base that is in that 50-plus uh, category um, has always been a bigger number than what what I would have anticipated earlier on, uh, and I think that's the, coming back to what you said before about um, people who say they don't watch television, they watch um, Netflix or they watch Stan. Stan is television, and, you know, I think people of all ages, all geographic locations um, are taken to streaming, and, and as I said, probably surprisingly... More evenly distributed across age groups than than what I would have expected.
0: Um, look, we've only got a few minutes left, so we'll try and fire through some things. Short answers, please, Mike. You know, keep <laughs> keep it brief. Um, can you give us any t- tips about when you navigate the screen, the the stand sort of homepage when when you log on via the app or or online? Um, trending on Stan, what does that mean? Yeah, so the trending on. Uh, what, can you just chuck up stuff there you want to flog, or is that a real? No, algorithm look, that tells you what's trending. Good so,
1: question. <laughs> I've thought that too sometimes. <laughs> well, look, the, the reality is um, something you probably haven't seen over, uh, over the four years and more, more recently in the last sort of 18 months, um, we have rolled out um, a new recommendation engine. Um, what I will say is right back at the start, when we first launched the service, 100% of everything that you saw on that front page was curated By a content team Mm -hmm. Um, and over time we've worked on our search algorithms and our recommendation engines um, to automate that so Netflix talks a lot about the usage of their data Um, we're doing exactly the same Um, there's a huge amount of anonymous data that that is um, available in the back end of this platform to um, basically work out algorithmically what we think it is that you will want to see um, and so that's tailored for the individual that subscriber? Is, that is tailored to an individual. So no two and it's, sort of
0: home screens are the same?
1: Um, now, it depends on which platform because we're actually right in the process of rolling some of this stuff out. But okay. certainly in the – if you go into – and I can see you're scrolling on the screen there, James. If you click on one of those titles there, um, what you'll see is a more like this feed, which is – this is something which is algorithmically um, determined based on – Uh, If you scroll down to the bottom there, um, that that is algorithmically determined and it actually evolves over time. As as more viewing data comes in, that continues to evolve. Um, Similar to search, if you search for something on platform now, you'll see us um, will ideally return the exact thing that you're searching for, um, but then we'll also return a number of things that our data tells us are um, similar to that. And in the event that we can't find what you're searching for, um, we'll return things that look similar. At the moment, um, we're not providing. Um, there is an ability to look at. Let's say that you're searching for a title that doesn't mm-hmm. even exist right. uh, in Stan, something that is off our platform. Um, the next feature that will come through our search will be if we don't have. Let's you know choose anything that uh, you might want to um, pick. Game of Thrones. Um, we will oh, okay. algorithmically look at what is something that is closest to that. On our platform so even if we don't have the show uh, our algorithms will work out what we think um, is best suited one of the things that I think is important and is a unique opportunity for us in Australia is is to continue to have strong um, manual programming Um, in other words um, content that is programmed by our programming experts because you know every algorithm has a limitation um, and and I think, you know, that particularly in this market as we go through whatever it is the current theme of the moment, I think there's an opportunity for us to be making sure that our um, presentation of content on the platform represents the things that people are thinking about most uh, at this point in time. So you'll, as much as you're seeing more and more algorithmic um, technology going into our, our programming on platform, um, we're also going to continue to have hand-created um, hand, um, hand uh, created Um, content feeds. I'm glad I didn't ask for a long answer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Sorry, the answer is yes. (laughs) (laughs) New additions is obviously
2: important, you know. I'm on there most weeks and I watch what I want to watch and then I go back, what's new? Yeah. I just want to see what's come on there in the last week or two weeks because that's often what I then go to. Yeah. Wow, you've got this now, I'm
1: watching yeah. that. So you'll be on that new editions feed on a regular basis then, Andrew. Yeah, every week yeah. usually. You'll see a new feed that we've um, we've introduced recently, which is our previews feed. Um, okay. So we've, we've actually started to, we used to, and we still do promote up-and-coming premieres um, up in that top carousel. But what we're seeing more and more is people want to know what's what's coming up. You mean they want um, to watch like a trailer yeah, of it? They get it sense. Before yeah, before it's
0: before it's available. Yeah. So what you'll okay. see within, oh, that, within okay. that
1: within that previews, it's called. So you've previews. got Catch Twenty Two up there yeah, now. Yeah. So that is that's an up and coming show. You can watch the trailer for that on platform and. That's good. And start, oh wow! I'll start, start watching that then. Yeah. Start start getting a wetting your appetite for that particular show. We also leave. You'll see some shows in the pre- previews feed there which have already premiered on platform because, of course. Some people see something or they see it advertised and it's already up on platform, not sure if they want to watch it, go and have a look at the preview, see if they want to watch it and they can jump into it. So there is a mix of up and coming shows as well as recently premiered shows on platform within that feed.
0: My last question, I'll give you one more after I finish, but um, is it part of a strategy to keep people looking for content at all? Cause People often spend as much time looking for stuff on Netflix as they do watching it or arguing about
1: it with their partner. No, look the, the, I mean, the key thing is to, is to um But get, often
0: you can only find something on Netflix by physically searching for that thing. Sometimes it's just impossible yeah, to find it.
1: Searching for things is one of the consumer frustrations that we try to cut through, you know, so it's certainly our ambition is to get you into that new car and out the driveway as soon as we can, so to speak. Um, we don't want you to have to, you know, search for So you don't want hours. to frustrate the user. No, absolutely. The idea is to get them the show that they want to watch. If, in a perfect world, if you could, if you could create a user interface or an algorithm that got every individual, their perfect show, um, right there on the front screen so they could just open up the application and click in it, that would be, you know, the, the ultimate, of course, you know, there's a there's a long road, I think, in, in technology before we get there. So my last question is going to be an obvious one from me. Have you ever considered
2: doing nostalgia, going into the Channel 9 archive, finding stuff that hasn't been seen 30, 40 years? Imagine old Logie Awards presentations with the fashions they wore in the 80s and all that. I mean, I don't know whether the audience for that is too limited, but... Nobody is doing it, and it feels to me like it's an untapped market. Nobody's going there. So, do you want the one-word answer?
1: Yes. (laughs) Oh wow! Um, Okay. Look, no, we have we have, and there there is a challenge with um, let's call it nostalgic content, usually related to uh, residuals, copyright, blah blah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, one of the things that um, you know, we try and we try and bring content to consumers in the most simple way, but. There is huge complexities in every content deal around licensing and commercial relationships. It does get exponentially more difficult yeah. with content with residual rights that need to be calculated, worked out, paid, um, and sometimes the complexity and potential cost of those things can just be prohibitive. Um, but it is certainly something that we have looked at, considered, and you know continue to you know to to want to be to be doing something with. I think there's a huge amount of value out there in content that's been created over the years that, as you say, people want to see it. People want to have that nostalgic feel.
0: Mike, look, great getting in here today. Thanks so much for uh, giving us the time. It's brilliant. Look, if you want to vote for some of the uh, Stan... The TV Week Logie nominations just opened this week, so you can get on there and vote for some of your stand <laughs> favourites, the That's Australian right. production. You've been pretty lucky with Logie
1: nominations
0: yeah. uh, in the past, right. haven't you? Yeah, look, so. we've, had a,
1: we've had a great run. We've yeah. had a great run. Yeah,
0: all right. How far away are you from your next um, local content reveal or commission? We
1: uh, Well, we're, in, we're in production right now in the gloaming, which has been yep. announced. Okay. Uh, we've got a couple of things which are in the pipeline, um, very close to being able to Fantastic. being announced, so look out for those. Coming All right, soon. Good stuff. So no
0: secret uh, <laughs> reveals from you. Okay, mate. Look, yeah. Thank you. Thanks, we'll, James. We'll see you again. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you.